Welcome to Season 2 of Wind Tunnel. This week... The runner-up each of the last two years. Can Rhodes get to the bumper and move him? Zane Smith is winning it, and he has done it. The championship goes to Zane Smith. Oh, man. How good is that? Wow. Yeah, what a great story. You know, he had been a championship runner-up the two previous years, and... Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, in his mind, he certainly knew that he was capable of winning it. But when you've gotten so close and not gotten it done, you start wondering a little bit. Oh, my goodness, is this going to be the year? Sure, surely I'm not going to fall short again. You know, there are some good stories outside of, of junior motorsports, no question. But they, they had such a dominating year. And, and in particular, you know, Noah Gregson and, and the eight wins. But as you said, when it was all on the line, Ty Gibbs rises to the occasion. Ty Gibbs is going to win the race and the championship. He's already built a Hall of Fame career. Today, he etches his name in stone as one of the few to capture multiple championships. Logano is a two-time NASCAR Cup Series champion. You know, I've gotten to know Joey because he's done a lot of TV work with us. And it's been astounding to me to watch the transformation that he makes outside the car to inside the car. It's, a, it's unbelievable to me. The, the instant that helmet goes on and he straps in, he becomes this fierce competitor. Wind Tunnel is brought to you by Advance Auto Parts, the official auto parts retailer of NASCAR. Here's your Wind Tunnel host, Jack Aroot. Welcome back inside the Wind Tunnel. Now, this is our final episode in Season 2, and I thought it would be appropriate to get some opinions from a couple of the sports insiders in regards to NASCAR's three premier level series. For more than a dozen years, Vince Welch has patrolled the pits as a reporter and, more importantly, is the anchor of Fox Television's NASCAR coverage of the Camping World Truck Series. He drops in and will review the 2022 Truck Series campaign and some of the key stories around the season. Vince also shares his thoughts about the trucks moving forward into 2023 and talks about some of the truckers that will bear watching. Adam Alexander is all over Fox's NASCAR coverage. He anchors Fox Television's Xfinity Series coverage, as well as hosting NASCAR Race Hub and Race Day all season long. When Adam steps into the old wind tunnel, you hear his take on both the Xfinity and the Cup Series seasons. And 
well, most of NASCAR's action at the very top or in the region or weekly series have wound down, I'll get a chance to visit with NASCAR's Jusan Hamilton. You may recall that Jusan became the very first African-American to run NASCAR's race control for this year's Daytona 500. Hamilton and his team have just completed a three-day combine for 13 diversity drivers that showcased their talents, but also taught them some new skills as they pursued their dreams of rising to the very top. That's the lowdown on this week's show, so let's get it on the road, shall we? And we'll start with NASCAR's Camping World Truck Series, where Zane Smith, after two finales as the championship bridesmaid, sealed the deal a couple of weeks back with his very first NASCAR truck title. Well, to take a little deeper dive into not only the 2022, but the forthcoming 2023 season for the NASCAR Truck Series, which we'll get into the name change in a minute, is the longtime voice of the NASCAR Truck Series, Vince Welch. Vince, can you break down, first of all, this 2022 season where Zane Smith left Phoenix at the top of the mountain? Yeah, what a great story. You know, he had been a championship runner-up the two previous years. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, in his mind, he certainly knew that he was capable of winning it. But when you've gotten so close and then not gotten it done, you start wondering a little bit, oh, my goodness, is this going to be the year? Sure, surely I'm not going to fall short again. But uh, just a terrific season, you know, for him. And, and I think for the series in general, I mean, Jack, they had 15 different winners. And, um, you know, it was a championship four that had uh, great storylines. Uh, you had guys uh, that won uh, for the first time during the course of the season, including Matt Benedetto, who was, you know, a, a great story, uh, who's come down from the Cup Series and is trying to re-energize his career in, in the trucks and enjoying it. So, uh, you know, from the beginning of the season at, at Daytona, uh, Zane Smith won there, started the season with a new team, right? He'd, he'd been runner-up in the championship the two previous seasons with GMS, switches over to Front Row Motorsports in the first race out of the gate at Daytona, they win. And, uh, and then he won the last race of the season at, uh, you know, at, at Phoenix to, to clinch the championship. So I thought it was a fitting way to end and uh, certainly uh, a victorious year in a lot of different ways for, for Zane. Let's raise the focus on the season for just a moment, a little bit higher in terms of altitude. Uh, in your estimation, uh, did any particular team emerge as wow? We didn't expect that from them. I guess my point is, did anybody as you and Michael and Phil uh, covered the season for Fox Sports? Did you look and say, hey, this is a team on the rise? You know, what's interesting about that is I, I thought that uh, to, if I had to pick a team that impressed me the most, I would say Thor Sport, which has been around, you know, uh, since almost the inception of the series, been around since 96. But what, I, what impressed me about Thor Sport, number one, they had the defending series champion, Ben Rhodes, who made it back to the championship four. Uh, but they also had Ty Majeski, who I thought was, you know, maybe the story of the season. Uh, you know, here's a guy that had, had uh, you know, washed out at Roush, washed out at Nice, uh, needed a job, uh, went to Thor Sport and worked in the shop as part of their engineering staff. 
with the hopes of maybe getting some opportunities to drive. And, and uh, Duke Thorson gave him a, a little part-time schedule last year, earned an opportunity to run a full-time schedule this year and made it to the championship four. And then Christian Eckes, who I also think is a terrific young talent, uh, just missed making the championship four. So I, I think when you look at those three drivers and then the fourth of the team being three-time champ Matt Crafton, yeah, there's there's they're a mainstay in the series, but I think that what you saw from the two new relative newcomers and Majeski and Eckes really injected some life into Thor Sport. And and it was, I thought, uh, the team that engaged my interest the most for those reasons. Uh, we're going to get to the KBM Motorsports decision, but I wonder how, in your estimation, that may or may not have affected that playoff season for John Hunter Nemechek. Because uh, in my humble opinion, there was a level of underachievement there once, and he knew, in fact, the last time that he won, he mentioned that it had been a tough week. What impact do you think uh, that KBM and Kyle Busch journey had on on cats like JHM? Yeah, I think that it, uh, you know, it's impossible to for it to have not been in their mind. You know, I mean, there was a time when the guys at the shop weren't 100, you know, they were fairly certain they were going to have a job. At least that's what they were being told, but they didn't know under the guise of what premise, you know, was it going to be Toyota? Was it going to be another manufacturer, which obviously it ended up being a different manufacturer in Chevrolet? What's going to happen when Chevrolet takes, you know, takes partnership with how does that impact the the shop and etc everybody knew that eric phillips was not coming back and he's kind of the guy who runs has you know run things over there since rudy fugel left to go be the crew chief for william byron so there was going to be significant transition uh from a personnel perspective and then also from a manufacturer perspective and, and i don't know how it couldn't have impacted them and um you know, and then the John Hunter story, I, I agree, Jack, they underachieved. And I think John Hunter and Eric would be the first to tell you that they underachieved. Um, but, I, you know, I think they wanted it so badly that it was almost they tried too hard. And I think we see John Hunter when John Hunter Nemechek makes mistakes. It tends I think it tends to come from the place of trying too hard. And uh, we saw that with him this year. And, you know, he had a couple of opportunities to run the cup car uh, at 2311. And at the last moment, those got pulled out from under him. He had some frustrations from that level as well. Always kind of understanding that this was going to be his last year at KBM because of the manufacturer change. He's aligned with Toyota. What's the future look like for him? There were a lot of things for him to keep his eye on during the course of the season. And I think, um, you know, I, I think they took their eye off the ball at times this season. And uh, no question, it was uh, a disappointing campaign, I think. And, and the last time that John Hunter and, and Eric Phillips were going to work together as driver crew chief. And, you know, uh, Eric Phillips is John Hunter's uncle. Changed his diet. He was a kid, you know, and they are very, very close. I mean, like a second father to John Hunter. And I know that uh, John Hunter wanted to win that championship for Eric and Eric wanted to win it, you know, for John Hunter as, as kind of a nice going away present to, you know, tidy up the bow on the present real nicely. But it just didn't work out. And, and I almost felt like they were just trying too hard. And that led to led to miscues. This is a perfect time to transition because the final story 
to put the cap on 2022 was the announcement the Camping World was departing as the as the series sponsor. Enter the Craftsman brand, which has been there before. And, and all of a sudden, when you couple that with the moves that Toyota was forced to make with Kyle Busch Motorsports opting to Richard Childress, ergo Chevrolet's, give me your overview of what you think 2023, at least in the initial going, we should and especially during this off season that we should be paying attention to as we try to get our crystal ball a little clearer on what we should expect when the trucks get to Daytona. Well, I think that uh, with the craftsman taking over title sponsorship, first of all, camping world, I, I thought, um, you know, in what a decade and a half, uh, you know, Marcus Lamonis did a lot for the series, went through COVID, you know, offered up money to individual drivers to allow them to get on the track. I mean, there were a lot of things done by Marcus and, and Camping World that probably didn't get the recognition that they deserve. So a uh, title spot and anytime, you know, you're a title sponsor, uh, I think the rest of the series and, and uh, the fans and everybody owes them a big thanks because they're the one that stepped up. Right. And in this situation, Craftsman is going to do that. And Craftsman's been there before. I, I don't see a major change in the series because of the title sponsorship and, and uh, the company that's that's owning it. Um, and, and really, I don't see a ton of change in the series in general. I mean, it's a survive. The, the, the truck series is a survivor, right? I mean, it's since 95. I mean, it's the names change, you know, you get some veterans come in, you get some kids come in, especially nowadays, the kids come in, but it all kind of looks the same when it's all said and done. And, um, and with the Elmore engine, you know, that's uh, created a little bit more parity, I think. So whether a team or an organization changes manufacturers, they're still running the same engine as everyone else, which is, I think, uh, level the playing field, which has been good for the truck series. So I, I think you're going to see more of the same, Jack. Uh, you're going to see uh, more parity. You know, as we mentioned, we had 15 different winners this season. Um, I just think the series sets itself up to uh, lend itself to a lot of different winners and, and no one really dominating the series. And much as we saw really with the Cup Series this year, right? I so with the you know the the new car, it uh, you know it lent itself to parity, and uh, therefore we saw what nineteen different winners in the Cup Series. So I, I think more of the same. I, I think it's going to look a lot. Uh, there's going to be a lot of similarities, but you know what's what's he'll say? The names have been changed to protect the innocent, but it's still the same. Still the same crime. If it quacks like a duck, if it walks like a duck, you're right. Uh, new names that we should pay attention to. There were some uh, guys that took one-off opportunities to try and, you know, at least raise their Q rating in terms of the truck owners. Anybody stand out in that regard that we should pay close attention to going into 2023? Well, I think uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how, you know, David Gilliland Racing is transitioning with as Kyle Busch is moving to, to Chevrolet. Uh, TRD is putting its, um, uh, I guess you could call it the house team, uh, will be David Gilliland's organization, which has rebranded itself Tricon Garage. So, um, you know, I'm interested to see how Corey Heim fares there as the rookie of the year from the series this year, won a couple of times in a limited schedule. Um, do Taylor and Tanner Gray flourish under that type of support that TRD can provide? I think Taylor Gray, just 17 years old, is a 
has shown some ability. Um, but, you know, I, I, I like the, you know, the further development of, of um, you know, of a Ty Majeski or we saw Lane Riggs with a couple of really impressive performances. That's my guy. That yeah. is my guy. I'm telling you as a friend, keep your yeah. eye peeled and yeah. focused on that uh, advanced auto parts. NASCAR weekly racing series national champion. Super impressed with Lane. So, yeah, looking forward, looking forward to, uh, as we said, there's always some newcomers that come in and catch your eye and there's the guys that develop and uh, get a little better as you know the second and third year in their careers i think is a key moment you know rarely does somebody come in and and uh, shake the tree as a as a first year guy and um so i, I think we'll see uh, you know hopefully see some growth and development from from some of the young guys and uh, of course some of the stalwarts the veterans will uh, will still be there to keep things interesting it certainly was a great 22, and there's a lot of promise for 23. I appreciate your checking in here in the wind tunnel. It's always fun to visit with a long, long, long time friend. Uh, we go way my back. Best. We do go way back, don't we? But uh, listen, uh, you know, keep up the good work. Looking forward to the trucks. I have always said they're probably one of the most exciting inside and out series to cover. So uh, I appreciate it, Vince. Thanks so much for stopping by. Thanks for having me on, Jack. Next, here on Wind Tunnel. Can he get there? He's not going to. Ty Gibbs is going to win the race and the championship. We did it. We're champions again. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. It's time to dive into the Xfinity and Cup Championships with Adam Alexander. And I'll do just that next. There's more Wind Tunnel coming your way after this timeout. Hey, car lovers, at Advance Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advance Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap. Because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. Welcome back to your podcast home for motorsports conversation, Jackaroo's Wind Tunnel. Well, as we continue to reflect on the 2022 NASCAR premier level campaigns and project forward, he is making his very first ever appearance inside the wind tunnel. It's a NASCAR race day on Fox, a race hub on Fox, uh, Adam Alexander, who also covers the first half of the Xfinity series each year for Fox television. Adam, uh, I appreciate your visiting. Let's start. Let's dive right in to the Xfinity series because from the drop of the green flag, it looked like it was all about junior motorsports and the rest of the field. But when we get to the end of the season, it's the 25 percenter that comes home victorious in the young phenom Ty Gibbs. You know, there are some good stories outside of, of junior motorsports, no question, but they they had such a dominating year, and, and in particular, you know, Noah Gregson and, and the eight wins. But as you said, when it was all on the line, Ty Gibbs rises to the occasion. And I don't think that really surprised any of us, any of us if you analyze what he had done and kind of the hurdles that he had climbed. I mean, coming in and driving uh, for Joe Gibbs Racing and, and all the pressure that can come with being in the position he was in, 
uh, you know, driving, you know, for his grandfather and all the success those cars had had. And, and really, quite honestly, in a limited schedule in 2021, I felt like he outperformed everyone at, at Joe Gibbs Racing. So you give him that first opportunity full time and, and he answered the bell and, and not just winning at select tracks. He wanted all types of venues, short tracks, intermediates and so on, road courses. So an impressive young talent and a guy that, that no doubt at the end of the day deserved to win the championship. You know, millions of us got to witness a teenager learning life lessons. I want to take you back to Martinsville. I think without question, uh, what happened at the end of that race, uh, it was not a bump and run. It was uh, clearly Ray Charles would even call it a dump and run of his teammate. Can you in your mind fathom what it must've been like? That's the week before you're going to race for a championship and all anybody wanted to talk about were a, the optics and B Ty Gibbs's immaturity. And yet he didn't survive. He thrived when it came down to getting in the cockpit and getting her done, as they used to say in, in that final race at Phoenix. I, I remember the Sunday after Martinsville being on race day and asking Jamie McMurray, can he win this championship after what transpired yesterday at Martinsville? And, and Jamie said, oh, he's made it very, very difficult on himself because he will be marked by so many. And the reality was it was almost like he was so fast at Phoenix, no one could catch him to do anything to him. I mean, they were just that good. And, and so, you know, there's this balancing act of where is he in his process of growth because he has made mistakes and he's shown signs of, of immaturity versus his ability, as you said, to put all of that noise behind him, tune it out and go out and deliver on the biggest stage. And, and he's done it time and time again, because, you know, Martinsville was not the first time that, you know, he's, he's raised eyebrows. You know, we, we had the run in in the spring, um, you know, with he and Sam Mayer. So I, I think that was the ultimate um, opportunity for him to step up on the racetrack and show how capable he is of, of moving forward. And, and as you and I both know, and, and you and I were talking college football before we got on here to do this, any great competitor, has the ability to forget and go on to what's next. And, and Ty Gibbs has got that uh, as much as anybody we've seen in NASCAR in quite a while. This may be a bit of a reach, but we talk about the truly greats being able to forget and move on. In this offseason, Ty Gibbs is facing the loss of his dad the night that he won the championship after celebrating with Coy, Coy passes away in his sleep. How do you square all of that and really get your head focused on the task at hand? And that's a moving up the ladder into the cup series and B you just lost your number one supporter. I just, I can't fathom how a 20 year old is able to thrive in that environment without some very, very big help. And we all know the faith that the Gibbs family has, has shown and inspired all of us with, but I'm interested in your take on what lies ahead for that kid. Well, the, the first thing that, that comes to mind when you talk about the Gibbs family and, and everything they've been through, you know, not just recently losing Coy, but, but I just think about what coaches dealt with and losing both of his sons, you know, in a matter of three or four years. And you know, how at very was, young ages as yeah, well. Both at, yeah. yeah. Both at 49 and, and both, 
guys that were just thriving and doing so many good things, not, not just as, as family men, um, because we know uh, that they were tremendous fathers and, and spouses and, and playing such a great role in the Gibbs family, but what they had done with the business and their ability to adapt from, you know, football to, to business, because as we know, Coy, you know, he went the football route and, and played at Stanford and was an NFL assistant. And, and so to be that versatile, it speaks to, you know, how strong they are as, as humans. And now to have to deal with that loss as a family and, and then to, to, to zoom in even further, as you said, and try and put yourself in the shoes of Ty I can't imagine uh, what it's like, you know, growing up without your father, but knowing the role that Coy has always played in his life and in career. And at this juncture, having to navigate the future without someone like that by your side um, has, has got to be, you know, very, very difficult. And, and the one thing that, that I would say, you, you know, Joe Gibbs has surrounded himself with wonderful people at his organization. There are some, some great men working over there. And I know that they have been a big part of Ty's growth to this stage uh, and everything that he's been faced with and, and some of the adversities that he's had, you know, growing up in his racing career. I know all of those men will step up and, and be right there by Ty's side as he continues the growth process, you know, very unimportantly as a race car driver, but more importantly, as a young man, as, as he moves forward without his dad. Yeah, a positive surrogates that will have an impact. Uh, we mentioned Ty Gibbs. It's all but a foregone conclusion that he's going to move up to the Cup Series. You mentioned Noah Gregson matriculating down the field, as they used to say, uh, moving up to Cup as well. So before we switch to Cup, give me a couple of the key points that you think we need to pay attention to in the offseason as we project what the Xfinity Series landscape will look like in 2023. Well, and, you know, the Xfinity Series is going to lose A.J. Allmendinger as well. And, and you know, and, and I, I feel like I'm excited for A.J. The, the young guys, it's always great to see, you know, how they graduate to the next level. But for A.J., you know, this is his second trip around. And, and I feel like he's gone through just a tremendous amount of growth in the Xfinity car because he's been running the oval so well and gaining confidence on that side. You know, you couple that with what he's done in the cup car with colleague when they did the road course stuff and how competitive he's been. I think he'll be a real bright spot moving to cup. But going back to the Xfinity side now without those drivers in 2023, you know, you look at a guy like Justin Allgaier, who's just been a mainstay and was back in the championship four. And, and I do believe that he'll be a player again. And, and perhaps now the door is open for him. Some question marks about what things will look like at Joe Gibbs Racing, but I feel like they always seem to put the pieces together and, and make competitive opportunities for young drivers to come over and not just win races, but run for championships. You know, someone that I've got my eye on is Josh Berry. And, and I know that when he was limited in 2021 and won a couple of races, everyone said, what could he do full time? And we saw that this year. You know, once again, he wins multiple races. He makes it to the championship four. He is someone with the backing of junior motorsports that I think will be outstanding. And, and another name that I, I think we really need to watch is Austin Hill. Austin, in his rookie year, I feel like opened a lot of eyes winning at Daytona and Atlanta. Uh, we found out at Martinsville, he's not afraid. Don't, don't cross him on pit road after the race, uh, but he won't back down. And, and he really fits what RCR has always 
been about. And I feel like he's someone that will really make his presence known in 2023 as well. And we've learned that Austin is going to go and uh, have some drives on the super speedways for beard motorsports. Uh, so at the, at the cup level, all right, let's, let's review 2022 and the next gen debut, the clash at the Coliseum, all that's gone into this season. Uh, forget about drivers for a second. Let's talk about the, the continued metamorphosis of this next gen car not only the positives, Adam, but there we have identified some areas of concern that, you know, NASCAR has assured us they are going to address in the off season, top to bottom though. How do you dispute 19 different winners when it comes to the car itself? 19 winners and Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex Jr. Didn't win a race. I mean, that's, you know, that's, what's crazy. I, it's so funny to me, Jack, how, and, and we all get caught up in this, you sell storylines in the off season and it's almost like it becomes our talking points. Right. And, and then if you, if you step back or maybe you hear someone else saying, you're like, boy, I, I don't know, are we overselling this? But boy, the next gen, we were all in, this is going to change things. It's going to create parity. It's going to allow the smaller teams to be more competitive. I mean, we said all the right things. Reality is that typically doesn't happen. You know, Cup is dominated by five or six teams, four or five teams every year. This year, everything came true. It wasn't just the 19 winners. It was all of the organizations, the five first-timers. Just look at the playoffs. I mean, in the playoffs, we were able to produce five non-playoff winners. I mean, that had, had never happened, which speaks to the parity and the allowance of some of those smaller teams to step up and get it done. So, I don't know what's next. You know, number one, we, we got to make sure that these cars are safe. And I know NASCAR is working on that. And aerodynamically, I know some changes probably will be made to, to encourage better racing at some of the places where maybe it, it fell short. But across the board, you, you just can't argue with the numbers. It was an unbelievable 2022. All right, let's throw in the hail watermelon from Martinsville during the playoffs. I, I felt like Ben Scully. I can't believe what I just saw. And that's exactly what we said the day after the race. And, and I felt like we said that a lot in 2022 because there were a lot of memorable moments. But, you know, I was watching that race like we all were. And then, you know, you're like, dang, where, where did he come from? Like, you couldn't digest it live. And then you see the replay. And, you know, you and I've been around TV forever, right? And so you're like, well, gosh, you, you can't, you know, you, they, they screwed up in replay. They showed it. At and that's TV. immediately when I saw it live, I said, oh, there's a tape op that's going to be in deep trouble. That's right. I mean, and, and even today, like if, you, if we were to pull this up and play it right now, you would watch it and swear that that's just not real. Uh, it, it was awesome. And I, I think it couldn't have come from someone uh, better than Ross Chastain. It kind of embodied what his season, what his career has has been about. This watermelon farmer from Florida who who takes every ride he can get just to make a name for himself, and finally, you know, starts scratching the surface with some opportunities. And once he does, makes the most of them. And here he is, someone you know, going into 2023 that you have to imagine is going to be an enormous player. Well, I, I think not only. He, but also his teammate, i.e. Trackhouse Racing, right from the beginning of the season, they had the consistency 
that other teams seem to need time to be able to figure these cars out. But the bottom line, the crown belongs to the pride of Middletown, Connecticut, Joey Logano. A Joey Logano that I, in my opinion, and I've known him all the way back in the sliced bread days, that is a different Joey Logano than the first time and the first championship that he won. This is a guy now that, well, he's got a family. His perspective is probably more polished than ever before, but it doesn't change the way he drives that race car, does it? No, it doesn't. And, and I've, you know, I've gotten to know Joey because he's done a lot of TV work with us. And it's been astounding to me to watch the transformation that he makes outside the car to inside the car. It's, a, it's unbelievable to me. The, the instant that helmet goes on and he straps in, he becomes this fierce competitor. Well, and, and here's the deal. I don't want to overstate this because we could do this with a lot of drivers just because of the nature of, of auto racing and, and how some make it and some don't and how close all these guys at some point have been to having their career come to an end because of funding or the opportunity didn't come along at the right time. But you look at Logano and, and where he was with Joe Gibbs Racing and the opportunities that existed at the end of 2012 and the uncertainty of what his future was, goes to Team Penske in 2013, and here we are 10 seasons later, 29 wins, two championships, five trips to the championship four, first ballot Hall of Famer, ambassador for the sport to the nth degree, doing so many wonderful things in the community with his foundation. It's a tremendous story for a driver that's been doing it forever and now has got as strong a foundation as, as we can remember in probably the last 15, 20 years in the sport. Let's shift the focus to what lies ahead. 2023, we know we're going to kick off with the all-star uh, Bush light a clash at the Coliseum, which was a mega hit for fans and I think competitors. But we also now on the agenda, uh, something that I had preached for and begged and everybody thought I was crazy. Uh, and that is a, a basically a street course race in Chicago. What else lies on the horizon, Adam, in 2023 that never none of it will ever be able to replace, I think, the excitement and the anticipation that we had for the next gen car. But to keep the fires burning high after Phoenix until we get to the Coliseum topics, of conversation that you think we're going to spend the offseason chatting about. Well, first off, I do believe what you said is is true, that, that the future um, really, there's so many unknowns just because of, of the great opportunities that we see in front of us with what's happening at the clash and, and the markets that you open up because you're able to turn a football stadium into a racetrack and, you know, the street course in Chicago and, and what paths that could take us down because of, you know, the doors that open, the cities that, that express interest. I, I do believe, you know, one of the conversations that we will have as we go throughout the offseason will be, you know, where are we with safety to make sure that we get all of that, you know, where it needs to be. The return of Jimmy Johnson as an owner and, and really where are we going from an ownership standpoint? I, I feel like, you know, four or five years ago, the biggest question mark was where are the owners going to come from? And, and we were so concerned about the age and of some of the owners in the sport that have been around forever, the founding fathers of, of the next generation of NASCAR. Now we're seeing it. Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, the unique approach of Justin Marks. You know, Tony Stewart obviously has been around for a while. Now Jimmy Johnson, the role that Jeff Gordon plays at Hendrick Motorsports. To me, that's what will define the future of the sport. The, these guys that were iconic on the racetrack 
that are now doing it in the front office and, and helping to make the decisions for NASCAR's future. Because I believe the conversations are as good between NASCAR and the teams as they've ever been because of those who are running the organizations have been those behind the wheel. And the level of respect that goes back and forth uh, is at a very high level. And to me, that, that goes a long way uh, in ensuring a very solid future uh, for, for NASCAR as a whole. I know you, like me, have sat in a lot of production meetings, and there's that segment called What Ifs. And about midseason, it was what if Dodge comes into NASCAR at the cup level? What will that mean in terms of just what we were talking about, owners, et cetera? All of a sudden, that what if has been thrown in the trash can with other stupid ideas at a production meeting. What are you hearing about another OEM? It, it, we all thought that once they transition into whatever the next-gen engine package is, but now all of a sudden it looks as if that's not been, been put on hold. As I say, it's been trashed. Yeah, you, you do get the feeling if that were going to happen, it would be further advanced than than rumors at this point, right? I mean, we I feel like maybe there would have been an announcement so that those plants could be put in place and everything would be set, as you said, when the new engine is rolled out a couple of years down the road. I, I guess I've reached the point now where the growth uh, of NASCAR uh, is, is in such a good place that you don't feel like that is as important as what it felt like two or three years ago. Two or three years ago, you're, you feel like you're taking everything you can to help the growth and the future of the sport. Now you feel like NASCAR is going in such a good direction. If a new OEM comes in, great. If they don't check all the boxes that we need to make it work, we, we don't need you. We're doing just fine on our own right now. And, and hopefully I, I do see this TV package and the money and how it's distributed between the teams, you know, playing a big role in what the teams need and want from NASCAR and, and whether or not you would need a new uh, manufacturer to infuse a little bit more money into to race teams to make it all work. So the next couple of years, really the next six, eight months, probably in this TV window and, and who gets what piece of the pie will be big to probably determine where the teams are with their future and, and what their needs are in that regard. Listen, this has been fun. Uh, it's good to connect with you and get ready for a long off season. Before I let you out of the wind tunnel, I'm asking you to share with my listeners a funny moment on set with any of the plethora of athletes and co-hosts that you spend, it seems almost 20, you know, 52, 52 weeks a year. Well, they're in that, in that virtual Fox studio. Give me a funny that's happened to Adam Alexander. I got to tell you, Larry McReynolds is one of my favorite of all time. And Larry, as you know, I mean, he prepares beyond comprehension and he lives by that, that notebook and he takes it with him everywhere he goes. And Larry always keeps his notes in the same spot in the studio. And so we were doing a, a rehearsal piece and, and Larry said something that I knew was true, but I challenged him on it on purpose only because I knew the minute I challenge him on it, he's going to go right to that notebook and double check. Well, the problem for Larry was I had moved the notebook. So I had set all of this up for Larry and he goes looking for that notebook and, and you have not witnessed stress on someone's face like what I saw on Larry's when he could not find his notebook. But uh, there, there have been many great moments. We've got so many wonderful folks that come in 
and are a part of Race Hub and Race Day and, and the guest analysts on the Xfinity side of things. But uh, Larry is one that I definitely enjoy poking fun at and, uh, and, and pranking every once in a while. And we as viewers equally enjoy it. Had a lot of chuckles. You are a provocateur with a <laughs> great right. dose of humor. Adam, I, I appreciate your visiting, and let's do this again, okay, when we kick off 2023. I look forward to it. Thanks, Jack. Next, here on Wind Tunnel. The example that I'm setting makes the path to motorsports for those who have a passion for it seem more reach and more achievable. If you would ask someone when I was a, a kid where my path would take me, others probably would have said that was a, probably a low chance. Earlier this season, Jason Hamilton became the very first person of color to oversee race control at the Great American Race, the Daytona 500. And just this week, he added another item to his resume when he and his team organized and hosted NASCAR's very first Drive for Diversity Combine in partnership with Advance Auto Parts. Hamilton joins me on this week's Advance Auto Parts Victory Lap after this timeout. Hey, car lovers. At Advance Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advance Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap. Because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. Time now for this week's Advance Auto Parts Victory Lap. Brought to you by the NASCAR Advance Auto Parts Weekly Racing Series. Driving local racing in local communities forward. The short track community is a mix of drivers who put their passion on display each and every weekend. For some, it is a home. But for others, it is a stepping stone to ultimately reaching NASCAR's pinnacle. And just this week, Advance Auto Parts and NASCAR collaborated to hold their very first Drive for Diversity Combine. It featured 13 young drivers from diverse backgrounds hoping to accelerate their dreams. Joining me here inside the wind tunnel to talk about that combine is NASCAR's Jusan Hamilton, who oversaw the combine activities. Jason, welcome inside the wind tunnel. Man, have we got a lot to talk about that you've been involved with this combine. I'm not even sure where to start. How about giving me a little bit of background as to why NASCAR and Advance Auto Parts decided that it was something that was needed to be done? Well, first up, Jack, thank you for, for having me. Um, yes, we have a, a ton going on. Obviously, we, we wrapped up our, our championship in, in Phoenix um with arco with the uh, truck xfinity and cup and then we've rolled right into planning for our, our nascar uh driver diversity combine uh with advanced auto parts um it, yes it's a it's a very important event for us there's a lot that goes into it we had three days of of grueling evaluations for the drivers uh spanning from up in mooresville at gopro motoplex um capitalizing on our great partnership with uh, with Team Chevy at their tech center. And then yesterday, wrapping it up at, at South Boston, uh, at South Boston Speedway, you know, showcasing every aspect of a driver's development and their learning curve 
and really trying to put these drivers through the ringer, but also provide them um, an education and, and bridge the gap between some of the racing they've been doing at the local track level and where they could possibly be headed. When you look at the, uh, the Driver's Edge program with Chevy and working with guys like Josh Wise and Scott Speed at GoPro. You know, the other side to this, and I said it, uh, oh, all all summer long during during my uh, advanced auto parts victory laps is the passion that's exhibited by weekly short track racers. They they put their reputation on the line in front of their friends. But then you also have these youngsters that, uh, you know, maybe start in go karts and then move up to legends cars. And I've talked to so many of them. Katie Hettinger comes to mind where she said, my ultimate goal is to make it to the very top. So the skill set drivers can only showcase their talents behind the wheel, but you and your crack staff can provide them with tools to add to their toolbox. So, so give me a couple of ideas of what you expose them to over the last three days that they can take now and put in, as I say, their toolbox. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, the advanced auto parts weekly series, like you said, is where it all, it all starts. You know, I, I come from short track racing. I grew up dirt racing in the Northeast and you know, I raced from the time I was seven years old up until I was 18. Um, I would have been perfectly happy. I would say when I, as a kid, my goal was not to necessarily to go all the way to the top of the cup series, but it was to run a dirt race at the Syracuse fairgrounds. You know, you, you grow up idolizing uh, short track racers and that's the first area that you have to get to, to have success to make it in the sport. So that's where a lot of these drivers are now. You know, I actually applied to the program myself uh, back in 2004. Um, and, and the program had a different structure. It, it didn't have necessarily a pipeline, but you'd, you'd come in and you're expected to have, um, you know, late model experience or, or higher to jump straight into a touring level car. Um, but that makes it difficult. And as you know, in the short track world, the development pipeline is always a challenge for any family to navigate. Uh, a family that's been in racing for generations, or especially a family that's new to the sport, but uh, equally has passion for for being a part of it. So the first and foremost, our evaluation is about determining what level the driver should be at to enter our pipeline. Um, and, and we've worked really hard um, to develop uh, a pipeline that not just sets the uh, example for advancing diverse uh, youth drivers, but for all, all youth drivers coming up and uh, those that want to reach the, the top of the sport. So, you know, we're looking to fill seats in um, U.S. legend cars, in late model stocks, and in ARCA cars, whether that's ARCA East or ARCA Elite. So we're, we're testing the drivers every step of the way. You mentioned, you know, what tools we're using. Um, I talked about GoPro Motorplex. You know, a lot of these drivers had never looked at at data before. Huh. It breaks down their driving performance. So they're spending time with Josh Wise and Scott Speed making runs in Rotax go-karts. Um, same thing that, um, you know, drivers like Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Ross Chastain do every week. I remember talking with Josh preparing for the combine and preparing for our event with him. Um, and he, he said, well, I've got to go. I, and this is prior to Phoenix. I've, I've got to go. Ross Chastain is coming in and um, he's he, this is his prep session coming up. So we're exposing them to um, a, a higher level of understanding their driving craft and then us being able to then take that 
understand where they are. They'll ask them a question like, you know, where was I the weakest on the racetrack? Um, and they might say, oh, well, it was in turn one. And then you look at the data and the data says, well, turn one, comparative to a cup driver, you're actually right where you need to be. You're actually weak over in turn four. And what that will tell you is the driver's not as in tune with what they're feeling in the car. So that gives you a baseline of where they need to be to start to grow. So we're looking at elements like that. It's, it's on the track. It's off the track. We take them through a media evaluation, a fitness evaluation. Um, they have to go through a stand-up interview um, and really present themselves and, and showcase not just who they are as a driving talent, but who they are as a personality. You know, there was a period of time, like I'm trying to imagine Cale Yarbrough going through media training or David Pearson or even Richard Petty, but media training, uh, an awareness of the importance of social media. These have become almost as important as what you can accomplish behind the wheel. So having what I think NASCAR has done a great job at, both from the very top all the way down to the weekly series, is having experts in those fields to yet again explain and impress upon these youngsters the, how important it is to have a full resume. It reminds me of when, like, maybe you and I were applying to college, and they always said, look, it isn't a GPA. It's also about what did you do with, air quotes, extracurriculars. Absolutely. It's very similar to that. And, you know, you look at uh, the two uh, success stories that we've had since we put this pipeline in place and, and Nick Sanchez and Raja Karuth. You know, both made starts at the Xfinity Series level this year. Both, I think you will expect to see next year full-time um, in the uh, Craftsman Truck Series. So they've come up through this pipeline, uh, but what has allowed them to make the transition, obviously they have the talent on the track. They've all, they both won races, but what's allowed them to make the transition is attracting the sponsors and attracting the attention yeah. of others in the industry that to have the confidence to put them in the seat and believe in them taking care of their race car, but taking care of their employees, their sponsors, their partners. So that media training is, is critical. You in, in today's world, you, you really can't have one without being willing to at least service the other. So for you, this is kind of coming full circle. We, we all were extremely excited for your career path when you were selected as the very first uh, person of color to run race control. But as you alluded to, being an old dirt tracker from the Northeast and following Brett Hearn and guys like that through the years, being able to give back to the short track community the way you have over the course of the last couple of days, how fulfilling was that for you, Jusen Hamilton? Well, I, you know, I, I love seeing these drivers progress it's like i don't i don't know what the best comparison is but when you see raja and you see nick running at the top levels of the sport after after meeting them you know running go-karts running legend cars racing on iRacing in in raja's case and then to be able to get them in short track world and just see them hone their skills uh, and and now see that translate to to what we all dream of doing uh, it, it doesn't for me, it doesn't get any more rewarding than that. It's like watching a, uh, a brother, watching a son <laughs> come up through the ranks and, and, and achieve their ultimate goal. So, you know, they, number one, they're, they're both great individuals, um, you know, individuals that you, you want to, to work with and see have success. 
each of the drivers that we saw this week, they're, they're very impressive uh, young men and young women, um, all the way down to the age of 13. You know, you, you, you see them come in at that age. Um, you imagine yourself at that age at, with the passion to race and the passion to advance. And, and you just you have the hope that someone out there will help guide you down the right path and, and make sure you're not making the, the incorrect decisions that are going to set you back. Well, that's what I'm here for when it comes to uh, the development. It's something that um, I, I couldn't be more passionate about because to me, to have a, a strong base of young drivers coming up through the, the weekly series, uh, through the Advanced Auto Part weekly series, uh, consistently is what's going to make the future of the sport strong. And I want the future of the sport to be strong because uh, I want more kids to be able to have those life-changing experiences that I had as a kid because of the sport. And I, and I can say I've, I played football, um, I played baseball, I've done track and field, uh, played basketball. No other sport as a, as a youth athlete gave me the experiences uh, and the life experience that racing did. That's, and that's carried with me today. I would be remiss if before we ended our little conversation here inside the wind tunnel, I didn't point out the importance of advanced auto parts. You know, when they entered into the weekly short track scene, I like to say they put their money where their mouth was. They made connections, but more importantly, helped track promoters with infrastructure, with Advance My Track and that campaign, and also even the individual competitors. To a man and a woman, everyone that I've interviewed have talked about the importance of Advance Auto Parts. Now they expand uh, in, into this combine program. How important is it? to have not just someone that wants to slap their name on a series, but someone that wants to back it up financially and support wise, be it marketing, cross promotion and activation. Well, absolutely. Uh, having the advanced auto parts drive for diversity combine uh, was huge for us this year. There's, there are a, a lot of elements that we in the past have would have liked to have in the combine um, would have, like to have done for evaluation purposes, we would have liked to expose the drivers to um, so that they have um, a solid base, whether they continue to race with uh, the drive for diversity program and rev racing or not. Um, but we weren't able to do that because we didn't have a, a partner like advanced auto parts that understood weekly racing, uh, what was invested in, um, in our mission and, and willing to help us push our mission forward you know, and I will say all of what we're doing from a development standpoint, you know, has a financial component to it. Um, but we're also trying to relieve some of that for the drivers as they look to bring themselves um, up the ranks and, and advance themselves uh, as drivers. So um, Advanced Auto Parts gave us the tools to do that. You know, we wouldn't be able to do what we did at GoPro Motorplex, drive the drivers all the way up to South Boston. Um, and put on a, I think we were on track for about six hours yesterday, a six hour um, evaluation. And I'll also say, in addition to Advanced Auto Parts, you know, having Goodyear sponsor us and each driver has their own set of tires. Sunoco is providing fuel for us for the, the full day. You know, having great partners like that all around at NASCAR are what, um, what make the, the sport move forward and, and allow us to, to accomplish our goals. Well, having people like you, and I should point out your entire team, have the commitment and the passion also goes a very long way. Just on, this has been a real pleasure. 
but more so it's been a great pleasure to connect with you as a dirt tracker from the northeast uh, i ran dirt track for a number of years but like you i realized that i'd better not quit my day job <laughs> well I, I will say there there are days that i still wish i could i could go race i, I live in florida now or unfortunately, they don't raise dirt modifieds as much as I would like right. to see them. But I can tell you every time they're down there, whether they're over at East Bay, Volusia, or North Florida Speedway, I go drive over and watch. Um, and I, I've already started taking my kids over to watch the dirt track racing over there. So um, it, I, I never lose my connection to my, my dirt roots. And if I could ever hop back in the car, probably wouldn't be very good at this point since I haven't raced in a while. But I would still have the same passion and love to do it. <laughs> Just on this has been a real treat. Thanks so much and best wishes over the holidays. Thank you. Have a happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for the time. You've been listening to the Advance Auto Parts Victory Lap, brought to you by the NASCAR Advance Auto Parts Weekly Racing Series, driving local racing in local communities forward. There's more wind tunnel to come after this timeout. Hey, car lovers, at Advance Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advance Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap. Because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. Thirty-nine shows, hundreds of guests, and more than seventy-five thousand of you downloading and listening to season two of Wind Tunnel. Those are humbling stats, and I thank each and every one of you for them. My thanks to this week's guests: NASCAR's Sam Hamilton, Fox TV's Vince Welch, and Adam Alexander. Now we'll be taking some time off, but we will also be putting the final touches on season three which drops in believe it or not just 150 days i want to send out a very special thanks as well to lenny baticki of prn's at the track show his collaboration on wind tunnel is immense and i hope that you check out his show at prn and last but not least how about a shout out to advanced auto parts they have been my partner since our launch and the work that they continue to do in the weekly short track space is far too often underreported. As always, I thank you for your support. I wish you a very happy holiday, and we will connect right here in the new year inside the Wind Tunnel. You've been listening to Jackaroot's Wind Tunnel. Wind Tunnel is brought to you by Advance Auto Parts, the official auto parts retailer of NASCAR. Follow us on our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And be sure to subscribe to Wind Tunnel's YouTube channel, where you'll discover bonus content. I'm Lenny Baticki of Performance Racing Network's At The Track Show, saying thank you for joining us today. 